Huddled in a dugout on a triple-A level baseball field for this one, folks. Yes, we did. For both of these both of these interviews that we have coming up. We have Dave Bruza, the uh, wonderful singer, very sensitive songwriter of Green Sky Bluegrass, and their lighting designer. Everybody knows him as Lincoln, but his full name, Seth. Andrew Lincoln. Well, people always talk to him, talk about him, Lincoln. Yeah, but that's I what I rarely he... hear people say Andrew. Yeah, I mean... He goes by Lincoln, though. If you go by Turner, not Rob. That's not true, but either was, either's fine. I'm not picky. I try to be picky about other things. <laughs> like, don't talk over fish when they're touring and improvising this summer, please. Um, I want to point out that we are a member of Osiris Media, OsirisPod.com. They've got a bunch of stuff coming. They're, they're headed back out to the festivals. They're going to be at Floyd Fest. So oh, cool. Sign up for their newsletter at OsirisPod.com. And check out all their podcasts. There's so many of different variants, so check it out. Variant. Bad word. Not Why a good not? Not a variants. Not a good word to use these days. No? Oh, I guess not. Right. A- Let's avoid the variant, the V word. <laughs> hey, speaking of V, it's good to see you again, Rob. Good to see you, too. We've got and- a lot of stuff coming on. We will talk about that at the end of the show. And uh, uh, I've got a new pro- podcast coming up. Seth is trucking along with Auctioneering and his other podcasts. And Daryl, uh, his son, uh, I think we've got a new episode of coming to the Daryl podcast, too, don't we? Probably. It's been a year. We need to crank that up again, and I want to be on again. Yeah, I mean, you you, you got time. You're a busy guy. It's Daryl doesn't want me on because I asked the two tough questions. Same reason some of these other people won't come on the show. Well, listeners, uh, thanks for tuning back in. And if you are a new listener, please go back and check out our catalog. We're over 100 episodes. Inside Out, WTNS. Dot com. Actually, we need to update the front. It's a little tough to link to them right now. I meant to say something to you about that. <laughs> 
<laughs> Dave Bruza, as anybody, uh, any of you listeners have known, particularly if you've listened to our previous Green Sky Bluegrass episodes, I am particularly fond of this guy. He is like uh, very similar to me in a lot of ways. A music lover, sports lover, mustache lover. Great guy. Well, that's where he divert. That he's a great guy. I don't think I'm Bruiser level great guy for sure. But um, we had last seen them. That was the last show I'd seen at the Tabernacle before uh, the COVID shutdown. Well, it was yeah. a Green Sky Bluegrass show on who's was it? George's birthday. It was my friend George's birthday. Yes. Seth, what did you think about sitting in a dugout to do an interview with a major uh, jam grasp? I mean, look, it was pretty awesome. I, that spot, the Cool Ray Field, is, uh, you know, people are like, where is that? Oh, it's, it sounds so far away from Atlanta. Folks, it's like 30, 40 minutes outside of Atlanta. It's near, it's right. I mean, if you're going to go to a show at the Gwinnett Arena, why wouldn't you go to the stadium? And the stadium is a really nice stadium. It's really a cool spot for a concert. Um, I believe it was for charity, although there wasn't any signage or anything, so it's hard to tell exactly what the charity was or anything like that. I'd but, love to um, know more about it. Maybe someday down the road. Yeah, well, maybe, but, maybe by the Magnar episode we can find out. Something. Yeah, maybe. Um, but the uh, to do the interview in the dugout was fun, except for the fact that the you got to keep the groundskeeper. Um, you know, they're they're maintaining that lawn. Although here's the thing, and you'll hear in the episode the groundskeepers, you know, doing this thing. By well, us, might, I cut some of I it out. I don't necessarily believe like he was actually mowing anything. It just felt like he was like turning on a motor. They to, pound like, the dirt. They have to pound the dirt. The base path dirt has to be particularly tough. Oh, they pound the dirt. He, pounds, do they? he was pounding the dirt. He was pounding that dirt. It, did, it was weird that they worked. We did an interview and they worked and then we waited on Lincoln for a while and they didn't do any work. And then Lincoln came over and they started working in the uh-huh. soundtrack too that time. Uh-huh. But uh, whatever. Yeah, I, yeah. I do want to point out, uh, I want to, I've mentioned before the only fest, which is this cool festival that I went to and, and a, lot, a bunch of the folks Cabo Murphy and a bunch of her crew were at these shows. It was great to see them. Reed and my whole, that whole crew, Cornelison, they were there as well. And um, I got got to say apologies to Cole Caulfield uh, that I didn't come up with your name. I'll I'll revisit that later. But go to greenskybluegrass.com. Check out the band. Um, they're going to be on tour. They're back. They're gigging. They're playing Beach Mountain, North Carolina. We have a lot of we have a lot of listeners in this area. Check them out October twenty first. Seth, have you heard of the Hot August Music Festival in Cockeysville, Maryland? Is it like a uh, Neil Diamond uh, festival? I, I don't know. It's Hot August Music Festival, August twenty eighth, September. Look it up. They're they're playing Summerfest forty eight forty eight Bonnaroo, and they're doing a bunch of dates with Railroad Earth, Cobills. And they're playing the rhyme in two nights in October. And Seth, should we go to one of those? Maybe. 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 I mean, it's October's so hard. You know, we've got Mempho we're going to be at, uh, doing the auction at Mempho this year. But, uh, you know, and then Halloween at the end. And then just auction season is busy every weekend. So I don't know if I'll be able to go. But if it's midweek, maybe. Well, anyways, Dave Bruza talking about songwriting. Bruza. Setlist writing, playing with Green Sky, the future of Green Sky. There's two revelations in this. Oh, don't tell them now. Okay, I'll wait till the next break and say two things that I thought were major revelations. Also, a little family talk. What a great guy. Take us there, Seth. Ladies and gentlemen, Dave Music. Stumbled for hours of pages with gilded Ink, newsprint, spent clips, shot lids. Saw out of focus and out of turn Envelope left in the light of the rising Burn it all down, the evil's fair 
birthday yep and do you know this gentleman <laughs> i'm showing dave a picture of a, a fella dressed up as dave bruza is, is that that's, green sky. that's franklin and he was a very nice guy i actually hung out with him for a minute or so he, did he, you find that on your he phone he made all this stuff he made all that yeah he's got a company in chicago and uh he makes stickers and shirts and does like wraps cars oh, yeah. and stuff he's a cool graphic designer dude i'm sure you've met him yeah yeah he looks very familiar he's, he's a a great, fact, so was that from the show that's, that's yeah yes all right, we'll, he was we'll a surprise guest at the show i didn't know he was coming and then all of a sudden i saw him back out by the bus and he had these backpacks i'm like what and then you know, all the guys convinced me that I should go to the hotel and take a break after sound check. <laughs> and I came back to, you know, everyone had beards because winter tour and it's right. what we do. I came back and everyone had mustaches. Like one by one, everyone <laughs> would show up with a mustache. <laughs> That's so funny. And then Franklin made all these uh, these cool accoutrements for the show, like T-shirts and like stickers and hats and stuff for everybody. And they all wore it. Little twist great. on the Cubs logo here. Yeah, just put a little mustache on him. Yeah, <laughs> it's beautiful. It's Cubs logo with instead of the bear in the middle, it's a, oh, it's got a bear. He's, it's a bruiser bear. Yes, he just he just is donning a mustache. Who are some of your other regular fans that stick out in your mind? Uh, you know, this band that you guys, you know, you got people following you around the country. The band has yeah. blown up in the last five years. Yeah, five years, twenty years, right? But particularly, come <laughs> on, the last five has been quite a jump. Smiths to. Yes. Tabernacle oh, yeah. to a baseball Smiths. stadium. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Smith. Which we are at a dugout, by the way. Yes. Just to set yeah. just to get the setting. You here, can hear the are. lawnmower in the background. They're just getting it just right. Yes, that's the baseball field at Cool Ray uh field, which is the minor league uh Gwinnett Stripers, the triple A um, Atlanta Braves affiliate. That is that is correct. I like I that word affiliate. Know. Yeah. Just sounds I mean like you know, as a kid, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I should just said, uh, I'm an affiliate. <laughs> I'm affiliated with. <laughs> I'm happy to be affiliated with you, Seth. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> and Green Sky Bluegrass played here last night. It was hilarious because um, another thing to set the scene is that behind the stage are half-built condos. Oh, yeah. So they opened with working on the building. Was that, uh, was that I didn't even. Th- I didn't even think about no. that. No. <laughs> you see? I'm like, oh, this is hilarious there. Because there's people literally working on a building as you're playing, working on a building. That is strange. I don't know why I felt compelled to play it last night, but maybe that was uh, one of those things. Just looking around, you're like, huh? You pick up. You pick up. Well, you're 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 at a uh, you're at a space where you're pretty intuitive right now, right? I guess so. Highly highly sensitive. Yeah, like highly focused or <laughs> you know, highly sensitive. <laughs> yes. Keyword sensitive. <laughs> You're a sensitive songwriter. And one thing Seth and I have always uh, pointed out about songwriters is how their own, the meaning of their own song can change. Like, it's not, we're not even, we don't even get the benefit of creating a song and having it out there, but then something you've created, your view of it changing. And I can't help but think after this pandemic that might have happened with Murder of Crows. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I mean, that, that song's interesting to me because I always 
find it fascinating what people get out of what you do, like what you pick up or, you know, it happens to me when I listen to songs and I have a certain personal connection to it. Murder of Crows, though, I, when you said that, I, I don't understand what you mean. You well, there's it? a literal where the crow <laughs> is used. They, the farmers will, will use like a dead crow, right, to, to, yeah. to, to tell the, because the other crows like have a ceremony and then split, right? But there's also, there's sort of a source of abandonment or being left alone or... Yeah. I and, mean, and that's what a lot of us were during the pandemic. Yeah. So I would think that maybe that side of it came out more for me, but I guess not. That's uh, no. <laughs> I never thought of it really. Uh, you know, because that song for me came about someone telling me that fact about crows having funerals. And I thought that was really fascinating. Yeah, it is. So I just, you know, wrote it down in my little book that but, I carry with me. But crows aren't typically hanging around cemeteries, though. I've, I, I don't notice them there. Just in the cartoons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But on songwriting, though, yeah, like there's another one. One you played last night. It's it's it's. Well, hold, before you even get into that, sure. You you mentioned the song that you opened with, but mm-hmm. did you did you have say in the set list last night? Yeah. Because the first four songs was it? Three of the first four songs were Bruce's song. Yeah, I wrote the first four songs of the first set last night. Now my, my real yeah. question is: Are you in? Do you listen to our podcast often, or did you listen to our podcast? With no, Paul? I I gotta be. No, you can be honest. I did not I listen to it. I don't even listen it. to it. Don't worry. <laughs> but um, Paul, what, what, do you, what, well, we, we also to, mentioned you guys to uh, Bahamas, uh, uh, Afi. Yes, yes, yeah. we did. We actually did. And he said he'd never heard of you, but I guess behind the scenes, who was it, Josh? Who was working it? We wanted to take credit for it, but we didn't. We didn't yeah, get you credit. You should. Okay, Thank what you are you guys. talking about? Totally that was, was us. But, no, no, but you, we were saying though, we don't get, the last the last podcast we did with Green Sky, and I think it was with Paul. Yes, Paul. I'm in a you were park. mentioning, Rob was mentioning that Brizza doesn't have enough. He, we don't have, hear enough of your tunes, and then you opened four, out of the four, four songs. Three were yours. So again, I, I don't know if you're a big fan of Rob or not, but it kind of seems no, that you are. <laughs> not when I'm wearing a Boston shirt. Uh, it's original sorry. six. It's fine. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, what is it like when you're, you're a huge hockey fan? What's it like when you have a gig and the seventh game of the freaking sem- conference, the NHL Stanley semifinals are happening? Well, you know, I've, I've been a big fan of hockey my whole life. I've played it growing up. Uh, the past few years, I've kind of just fallen off. Once the Hawks stopped being good, I was kind of a, you know, kind of got to be more of a fair weather fan again. Ah. I don't know. Actually, it was like the middle 2000s during the NHL strike when I really stopped just being like, uh, I do enjoy it. I was cheering on the Habs the other night, and they they won it in overtime. That was great. Yeah, I'm supposed to not like the Habs, but I got to. I know you, this Habs team is is pretty easy to like. But as an original Sticks fan, it's always nice to see one go. Oh, they're to just the finals. Fast too. They got a goalie that's carrying them. It's oh, he's amazing. amazing too. Came out of nowhere. It's a that good kid. Story. I can't even think of that kid's name. That kid who got called up in the middle of the season. Is it Toffoli? I think I can't think of his name right now. Oh. I don't know. He looked good. My friend Jeff's really gonna good. kill me. I don't remember that. <laughs> Not just because of that. Another thing, though, are your songs ever intentionally vague? Like the, one of those first three songs, uh, it's not mine Intention- anymore. Intentionally big? Uh, vague. Vague, okay, sorry. They're intentionally Dave every time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's not mine anymore. It's kind of hard to get a grasp for me what oh, it yeah. is, and it kind of changes as the song goes along. That's a heavy one. Um, I'll be completely honest. I wrote that after Donald Trump was elected. Okay. That's about him i can't stand donald trump okay so what's what's not yours anymore the uh, pride i just in the country? felt like i just felt like the country was falling apart at that point and people's um you know what they were trying to back this guy and it just it's just a smoke show he's just like a 
up there doing, you know, sleight of hand tricks and just, you know, people call him really stupid. People call him all this shit. But uh, you know what? He's a fucking evil genius. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's like playing the bad guy wrestler so well. <laughs> and he's been emerging in the news again, which is just like having so, rallies. And Wasn't it nice to have a kidding. pause like without that in the dialogue? Yeah. I mean, you could physically feel it. It's it, like, oh. Yeah, it was a definite sigh of relief for me. So when you brought that song to the band, did you tell them what it was about, or did you play it and let oh, them like figure it, it out? Because no. definitely the, you could change the meaning of the song by having a different musical backdrop. Yeah. Uh, a completely different feel. I don't really remember what we talked about as far as the content, but like I had a different, I had different music with it when I brought it to the studio. Um, so I didn't write most of the words. You know, I talk, I write with this guy Aaron Allen a lot. Okay. Who co-wrote Murder of Crows, uh, It's Not Mine Anymore, Worried About the Weather. Um, Aaron Allen? Mm-hmm. And what's his relationship to uh, the he's, Who's he? He's just an old friend uh, from Michigan. He's a warrior poet and a stay-at-home lawyer dad. He's just an awesome guy all around. And I always love working with him because I can give him, this is a great example of this song in particular, because I can give him a phrase of what I'm thinking and then have a discussion about my feelings of why I would say that. I told him I want to write this song and I have this these feelings like the election is just messed up. Like what the hell's going on in our country? It's not mine anymore. And then that's just the phrase we focused on. And then he came back with the way we work is that he'll just start writing words. And he usually sends me a bunch of stuff and we edit it together. And as that's happening, is there any music in the background going? or is? It oh, yeah. Yeah, with me, it kind of seems to, that's really the starting point. Reminds me of Michael League and David Crosby. Pretty similar to what they did when they wrote together. It's just because I have a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> but would you ever consider doing like a, like at some, you know, at Camp Green Sky or something, doing a full bluegrass version of it out of nowhere and then just tuck yeah, it that, back away? Yeah, I think it'd be fun. But I like, I like what we did with it. Actually, oh, hell Mike, yeah. Mike Duvall and I kind of came up with that arrangement because i was demoing it every morning in the studio because we the what i wrote wasn't really vibing with everyone and we wanted to do something with it and i was making demos every morning going in early just messing around and he caught on to this weird thing and i didn't even know i played it and then the two of us kind of sat down and arranged it together it was pretty fun that, that's i mean that right there describes why people are musicians it's you know it's not just like the playing and all that's fun but but like the discovery, the work, putting yeah. in effort, and then, and then having that camaraderie turn into something. I think yeah. that's you know one of the special things there. And I mean, looking forward, I know you did some writing. I heard uh, "Streetlights" as we just talked about. It's a wonderful song. Thank you. Now, when you have a very moving song, you're going to love this. You'll see why I can relate to it too when you hear. Aaron it. also helped me with that one too. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Now, when you look forward, to what extent? With the song, let's use that song. To what extent do you have in your mind what you want the band to it to do with it? Excuse me. And to what extent are you like, mm, I'm just gonna throw it out there and see what they do with it? Uh, well, well, you know, I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about this, but <laughs> I mean, we, we recorded an album during the pandemic. Cool. Green Sky did, excellent. And that is one of the songs we did record. And I kind of just, you know, I was surprised out of the songs that people like that. I wasn't really intending for that ever to be a Green Sky thing. It was just. It was actually a song that I tried to write that wasn't about my personal life. And it turned out to be a very deep song about my personal <laughs> life. <laughs> you know, it started off as a joke and I was, you know, there was... Your you know, life? <laughs> still is. 
No, but I was, it was during the pandemic and I was, you know, there's no, I live in Denver and there was nobody out in the streets. And I think I was smoking a cigarette out at my porch and just like, there's a light traffic light by my apartment. And I was just looking at it and I just kind of made it up that first verse. And then, you know, I talked to Aaron about things and, you know, we're also pretty close. So just letting him know about my personal stuff and how I was feeling and everything. And I sent him a little demo of the couple verses I already had of it. And he just kind of filled in some blanks there and made it really powerful. But when we recorded it back to the beginning of the story is, uh, was that in Nashville, by the way? No, we, we did this in Vermont. Oh, wow. We, we spent a couple weeks there last, uh, September. Uh, so I told the guys, they all liked the tune. They wanted to record it. And I just told them, you know, do whatever you feel. Like, I, I don't have much direction, but let's, you know, let's just play this and see what happens. And, you know, it was nice to actually record it while I, I sang it while I, we recorded it. So it all was live and fun. And, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the result. How many other Bruiser songs are on the new record? Uh, we don't know exactly what's on there yet. But oh, we, we so did recorded record a, a bunch. We recorded a lot of songs. Everyone was writing. Like everyone, more than 20? I think so, yeah. Nice. Everyone, so, everyone was really writing. and So maybe a boom, boom, so you, too. I, I mean, i got to imagine that's, that's a thread that's happened to so many uh, mm-hmm. musicians, so much writing, so much. So many, we all, we think right, about but some all did nothing at all, so it's well, like I really think, well, good to hear when industry. musicians I love yeah, and respect either, yeah. either, are working. You either went far and did a lot, or you sat in your ass and didn't do anything. It's, it, I don't think there's a middle ground. I don't there. think anyone, there was a lot of people that didn't do anything. I think, a, well, you know, well, maybe. People, some people put their head in the dirt. Sure. You know, uh, I mean, I, I took some time off. You know, I took a couple months of just like, okay, I need to reset here. And yeah, but those months you were doing work, though. I mean, no. not just music work, self-work, no? I, it didn't start that way. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It took a couple months for me to realize, okay, enough's enough. And, uh get down to it you know but you would drive a long way to do those sessions like take cover sessions right well yeah that was a buddy of mine uh you know he convinced me i should get out of my little apartment by myself in denver he's like just drive to st louis it's 10 hours you can stay here with me you know we'll feed you we can do this video project because my buddy and the video was outstanding yeah. everyone yes. thought, i mean the candle lit uh, vibe the the angles of the camera uh, uh the camera angles like this yeah. It was really well done, and yeah, and it was and just you sang like a Paul song. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was really well done. I mean, I can go on and on describing it, but they're available, I imagine, right? They're and still YouTube on YouTube. Yeah. yeah, they're they're live. You can watch them. That was all directed by my friend Trey Kerr, which who, by the way, uh, Brad knows. He's a friend of. Oh, he yeah. works with Fish, right? Trey, yeah. yeah, Trey's been working for Fish for a long time. You know, oh, he, Trey. he he I, also I directed all the the Trey Anastasia Beacon, mm-hmm. right? Well, he did that as well. I mean, he God, was. God, those are wonderful. Well, he he had nothing to do. He's a really good friend, and you know, he also just wanted me to stop sitting around getting drunk and by myself. Because you're <laughs> at like, my apartment. <laughs> I mean, we could say that when the pandemic hit, you were kind of like myself, uh, somewhat freshly divorced. So he's not. Yeah. He was nowhere near as. Although I was relieved by my divorce, I don't think you. You think you had a hard no, time with it. I yours. still have a very hard time yeah. with it. It's you know that's where a lot of that reflection came from. So that must have been tough for the pandemic. You're almost forced to think about it. Oh, yeah. I was, there was no way out. Yeah. Did you at least get the dog? We, we still split the dog. You know. That's good. Yeah. We're friendly. You know? Yeah. We actually hung out at Telluride uh, Bluegrass the other weekend together, which yeah. was really special for me. If I were trapped. 
work all day and all night shine down my red yellow and green on the feverish world under me come what may may whatever come it's just not enough Time was when you were the cure For all the suffering I've endured I was low, you floated above You gifted and lifted me up With the grace to fear Whatever is just not enough. I really want to know a little more about conveying what you want out of your bandmates as opposed to them just hearing what they hear in the song. Because what if different band members hear something different? To what extent as a, are you guiding them? Are you talking about them? lyrically? No, recording, in the studio, recording. To what extent are you guiding them? And to what extent is it like, Let's just see this. I love this band. This is my life. Let's see what they do with it. We're always really good at working together. You know, and a lot of the time we definitely tinker around with every song. And we all have input. And we all, you know, there, there's been few occasions where one of us has written something. We're like, okay, this is a part here. It goes like this. Um, but a lot of the time we do a lot of, you know, write by committee as far as arranging and finalizing things, you know. It's 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 that simple, really, and like sometimes it's a little less formed, and we just kind of go out there and people just riff on it and see what happens. Now let's jump to the stage before we go on the way back. Is that cool? It's a high stage. How are you going to be able to do that? It is a stadium stage, isn't I mean, it? And you're not that you know athletic these days. Uh, for a fat guy, I'm pretty athletic, dude. Come on, I could beat you in one-on-one hoops. I could. Yeah, you'd, you'd foul the me. The face you'd says it all. You can't see this, but <laughs> oh yeah, I could be <laughs> easy, <laughs> easy. Anyway, um, but like, jump, jumping on the stage. So first of all, set list. You say you wrote the first song. So is it the band by by committee? Like you you take care of the first quarter of the show. You no, it, it changes. But mostly, you know, Paul would always say that me and him and Anders will write it together. He does a lot of it. You know, Paul's vision is really strong, and he's really good at that. The three of us really kind of toss it around. But he, he's definitely the driving force of it. But was it overwhelming to come back after the pandemic and have all these songs and this it's clean It's still slate? overwhelming. Uh, <laughs> you know, we've been lucky enough to play the past couple of weeks, but we still find ourselves struggling on that because it's like, I mean, when we came back and we got together for rehearsals, it really never dawned on me the amount of material that we know and have written. So it was kind of... For a second, very, very overwhelming. When I'm like, wow, we know a shitload of songs. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was also a fun thing, too, to be like, okay, we can do whatever now. Right. You don't feel pressure of uh, having to play the song that everyone knows or anything like that. It's pretty much everything. No. So everyone's starved. You can just play some notes and they're happy. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I mean. <laughs> but what was we, it like? To, what is it like to, like, look to. Do you feel like it's fresh, though? Like, just with the, with the set list, be able to. 
just go anywhere? Is there a lot more freedom in that right now? I think we've been very creative uh, in our set list since we've been back playing. I think we've been thinking of things in a different way and uh, combining stuff like we haven't done before ever. Like last night we did a whole thing where we played uh, Broke Mountain Breakdown into Demons, into yeah, right. what you need, back into Demons, back into Broke Mountain Breakdown. Which, Palindrome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, no, it was fun, it, and it worked really well. It was it was really neat. Like the idea was there, and then we just kind of ran with it, you know. It ran around the bases, Rob. Did you know, yeah. like a song about like worried about the weather? Did you know when you wrote it that that would become like a major jam vehicle, or did that kind of surprise you? No, really? no, because you know I was never one for like, hey, let's jam. Right. Like I like I like the Grateful Dead and all, and <laughs> I I'm more of a I like songs <laughs> to be like three minutes. <laughs> right. Three to seven is, is And you tend to lay low in the improv. Is that part of it? You tend to let Anders and, and Paul lead the improv. Would you agree? Uh, not always. I think so I think when we're all doing those sections anyway, we're all working. We're all improving together. We're all playing together, you know. It's not uh I did, yeah, I don't like to be in the front. Oh, man, it seems like this guy's going out of his way to interfere with our interview. Thanks, Cool Ray. Well, he's not even cutting the grass. Look, he's, yeah, he's not. I don't he's, even know he's what he's on, doing. He's on the pavement. Oh, he's a cool guy. We were talking last he's night. He's oh, he is a cool pavement. guy? Okay, oh, cool. Yeah. He's just doing his job. Uh, so Dave first saw the dad. Even He was even younger than me. He was 12 years old. Yeah. Where did you see? Chicago? Yeah, Soldier Field. Was it the Steve Miller year? Yeah, exactly. So you saw James Compton play with the Grateful Dead. How about mm-hmm. that? Was that yeah. your first show? Yeah. <laughs> that was my first concert, like, Real concert ever, and, G- and what did you <laughs> blues legend and Steve Miller sitting with him at the end? I mean, did you think every show, every concert was going to be like that? Well, I thought every concert would be three hours long. <laughs> um, no, I didn't. I didn't really think too much of it back then because I was so young and new to all of it. You know, it was fun though, and I got to see a couple the Grateful Dead a few times after that. I was at the last Grateful Dead show at Soldier as well. I was up in Milwaukee at Pearl Jam. Yeah, that was my. That was the only time I went with just, it was like me and my brother and his friend to that last weekend in Chicago. Learned about a lot of things like nitrous <laughs> at 15, LSD. I mean, it was a pretty amazing time. We slept in a parking lot. It was great. I sold cigarettes, like packs of cigarettes. I got a carton of Marlboro Reds. <laughs> and that's so many roads, it's heavy. I swear to God, it's Jerry yeah. saying goodbye to yes. us. When he starts doing that. I've been walking down the road. I can't yeah. hear that without welling up. Just, yeah. It's so moving well, and passionate. Going He's back saying to, goodbye to us. Yeah, going back to re-sing the stuff he forgot, too. Like, and then the fact that Phil sang three songs and, you know, double encore. and. Well, if you listen in between Unbroken Chain and Sugar Mag, Jerry wants to do the morning do there, and Bobby and Phil just ride over. I mean, we're not hmm. going to let you. Never noticed that. Yeah, listen to it. And he's, Jerry starts bringing it to do, and they just ride right over him with Sugar Mag. It's true. It's true. Thank you. 
person in his family who inspired him musically the most is his uncle who shares the name. That's kind oh, of yeah, cosmic. yeah, my uncle Dave. Yeah, he, yeah, he lived in uh, Dalton, Georgia. He went oh, to he's yeah. a Georgia Tech alumni. I saw an amazing Dylan show in Dalton, Georgia. Yeah, once. the carpet capital of the world. Yes, it is actually. Yeah. <laughs> Almost did a, an event there last year. It didn't happen, though. Or two years ago. Where, Where does, does he live now? Are you, two years he ago. lives in Phoenix now. You're still in touch with him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we talk. You know, it, it, my cousin, his son, Phil, we, we're close in age, and Phil's a much better guitar player than I am. He lives in Australia. Uh, I mean, he's just it's just funny, because we would have these family jams when we were teenagers yeah. at my grandparents in Chicago. You know, he'd bring his bass. Phil would have a guitar. I was, you know, kind of messing with guitar back then. But my brother would be there as well, Charlie. We, like we'd have drums set up, and we'd play like Beatles and like Herbie Hancock and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of members of my family were all pretty groovy as far as music. Everyone really liked it. Like my grandfather was a, really into like Louis Prima and like big band stuff, and it was good. We had a, all gamuts of music. Now during the pandemic and songwriting, uh, what were you? What songwriters were you listening to, or, or any? Oh, man, I was going all over the place. Yeah. I kind of went back to really roots rock and roll. I got really into, like, surf rock. Oh, yeah. I was listening to a lot of... Is that coming out adventures. of playing at all? Dick Dale? Yeah, I actually recorded... I wrote about seven or nine surf rock instrumentals that I recorded in my apartment. Oh, cool. All right. And I'm working, actually, on finishing up a 45 right now, which... I don't know when I'll be able to release it, but I'm going to release something hopefully later this year. Well, you know, it's it is summertime, so uh, yeah. Up. I, I mean, it was just a lot of fun. I would go back and forth, and, you know, I have a pretty big record collection as well, so I like to listen to a lot of stuff. Um, Link Ray? I do like Link Ray, yeah, I do. Uh, I think the, I don't know what was getting the most. I kind of go on these weird, like, obsessive tangents. Like, if I learn about something, like there's this band, mm-hmm. the Alala's, Oh, I've seen them. Yeah, so they're like, coming. I love all of I, I was hip. Someone hip me to them, so I like listened to every possible thing I could find of them, and like looking them up on YouTube just to listen to their stuff and like check out their story. That's the kind of listener I am, you know. Then I get like on this, I'll fall off of that and do something else. Like I bought some, some more Grateful Dead records because just you know, just to put them on your record shelf to collect dust. No, I, I play them. <laughs> I did find a first pressing of Europe 72 that had the booklets and with the green labels with the misprints on the song titles. And I was able to talk the guy into trading some other records for a cheaper price that I didn't want. It worked yeah. out. Is that, is that what you're doing? Because Rob's collecting records. No, I'm But he purging. doesn't, ha- he, he doesn't have a record player. No, I... I'm, I'm not my Just send me a box of Cassettes random. and CDs. <laughs> And I listened to him and give him away. Actually, I gave some away at the show last night. We put them on the No, the you, merch you put them on the merch nice. table, and people took them and threw them in the trash. No. Like, Seth doesn't oh, so understand the, the fan side. He, this is an industry goober. He doesn't understand the real fans of music and <laughs> the things that they treasure. Come on, Seth. Oh, You know what we got to talk about is the leap year sessions. Yeah. It's an elephant in the room a bit, Seth. Is it? Do you still do the... We haven't done one in a while. See, we haven't done an in-person interview in a while. Is that what you're looking for? That was pretty good. Okay. So, you know, we get in the pandemic. You can't play these live shows, so you decide to do these leap year sessions. Correct? Yeah. yeah. Um, where they record, but it wasn't a live webcast when you recorded them, was it? No, no. We went and we, you know, everyone has families. A couple of people have families, right. kids in the band. And everyone wasn't super keen on traveling. I think it was a good thing because looking back on it, I don't think I would admit this or any of my guys would ever admit this, but the break was really needed for, for us. We've been just doing this for constantly for so long so it was actually nice so 
It's like we're not going to get a hiatus now because you had one force upon you. <laughs> that's the way I'd look at it as a fan. Yeah, that's uh, a that's kind of interesting. It's a positive thing. No, but the, the Leap Year Sessions was a, a thing where we couldn't stay out for, I don't know how long we did it, eight or ten weeks of shows. There was no way we would be able to stay out that long to record all that stuff because none of us live in the same place, blah, 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 logistics. But um, we decided to do them, so we, we recorded a couple a day at the pageant in St. Louis. And again, we hired Trey Kerr and used the 201 production staff, which did the my take cover thing, too. And, you know, they do fish and all that stuff. But uh, we did it on Hi-Fi, which was a new video service, uh, like similar to Nugs. And uh, we were able to shoot everything and do high-definition sound and do it all in 4K video. So it's pretty wild. But, yeah, we, we it was great, though, because at that point, that was the first time we got to see each other since March 9th. So it was pretty special to all get back and then have the crew there as well and see everybody and just yeah, what was perform. that first moment? Take take us in there. What was that like? It must have been well. We, we spent a couple days just kind of rehearsing and shedding and just like remembering the songs and just being together. Did it fall right in, or was it a little rusty at first? No, it was fine. Nice. It was, and once we got going, it was so fun. Like uh, I think we got over the fact that we we're playing in an empty room pretty quick because it was just fun to be together and play and have like the full show, have the lights and everything. It was cool. Well, and then with the lights though. I mean, you can't even tell the, the – because you can't see the crowd, if, even if no. there is no crowd. No. You can't feel There's no cheering, maybe. <laughs> you know, Lincoln's maybe we cheering were, for we you. Were, yeah, Lincoln was vocal. It was pretty fun. But, I mean, we're cheering for each other up there. We're just happy to be uh-huh. together on stage playing, playing our songs. Like, that was – it was special. I think it was, it was definitely needed for us and for our fans because I don't think not doing anything was the right move. Agreed. Plus, you were uh, making available uh, archives of nice videos of shows. Yeah. Watch some of yeah. those, some cool stuff. Yeah, it was good. Speaking, I wanted to get back to the pandemic artist because we lost John Prine during mm-hmm. the pandemic. And yeah, that one hit me pretty hard. You know, I think like a lot of people, he always felt like a distant relative. <laughs> I love John Prine. I mean, that's, he's just, I think he's the coolest. And I've gotten to see him perform so many times, and I've been lucky enough for that. And uh, that one, that one was heavy for me. Well, you grew up in Michigan, right? Mm-hmm. What, what were the venues that are not dead, but like the more local theaters, arenas uh, that you would see shows at when you were younger? When I was younger, you know, we'd go to a lot of shows at the Kalamazoo State Theater and at Wing Stadium where the Kalamazoo Wings hockey team plays. Humphreys has done a bunch of shows there. Humphreys has played there. I mean, but like when I was a kid, I didn't get to go to the show my brother did, but Nirvana was there in like 92 and like Pearl Jam, anyone you could think of. I think the most notable show that I saw at Wing Stadium was Nine Inch Nails on the Downward Spiral Tour. I saw one of those. But my dad always talked about going to see Johnny Cash there. And like <laughs> Everyone's played there, kind of thing. Fish played there in 95. And when you uh, saw the Nails, did uh, Trent keep breaking the keyboard? And then did he have a guy that would remember. have to replace? That's what I, I was always. I was in the back. I remember with my buddy, Eric. And the next morning, I got in trouble because there was a bag of weed and papers in my pocket my mom was like because oh, you know they'd let you smoke cigarettes everywhere so just reeked of tobacco she went to wash my clothes and found weed and papers i'm like they're not mine so how old were you then uh that was that was 94 so i was 14 so that's just before the car accident incident how do you know about all this shit that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was just before that so you were a troublemaker i mean it's no no no, no. 
You're just he's a Chicago kid. What do you expect? <laughs> no. Well, Michigan. I guess everyone in the Midwest is Chicago. It was close. Yeah, I mean, that's where I'd go to in the summertime, hang out with my grandparents, go to Cubs games. And yeah, well, no, I mean, it's like, like two hours you, away. But it was in your blood. But yeah. you grew up a Cubs fan. You waited oh, yeah. and waited. And I, I understand it as a Red Sox fan. Even I'm not as passionate about them as I used to be. I'm more of a Braves fan now. Yeah. Um, but my God, was it 2016? I mean, I watched every playoff game. and I'm not That was great. Gonna... You couldn't write a better movie. And you got to go to some of the games. I went to game four. Uh, when you guys were on tour then and you I zipped did, I, off? I was on tour. and uh, I Tell was that whole story, please. Frantically looking for tickets. Where, were, where was the band? We were playing... Uh... <laughs> That's Luke just getting everything ready. <laughs> we were playing at Hulaween, uh in Florida, you know, the uh, string Swanee, cheese. Swanee, yeah. Yeah, Swanee. And it came up. I was frantically looking for tickets. I was trying to get one for, for Monica as well because she'd never been to a game at Wrigley. So I'm like, how cool would this be your first game at Wrigley's a World Series game? Because that doesn't happen. Uh, I called all my friends that had any connections in baseball, asked them how this works. I was looking on like StubHub and stuff. People were trying to sell tickets for like fifty grand. Yeah, for ridiculous. this is the second World Series game at Wrigley since I think nineteen forty six. So, anyways, uh, it just kind of happened. A friend of mine reached out and asked me if I was going to try to go to the game. I'm like, yeah, I am. I'm looking for a ticket, and I said, uh, well, we have an extra. It's like, oh, that's great. And I told Monica at the time, I'm like, hey, and she says, you need to go. So I'm like, I love you so much. Thank you for understanding this. Uh, I get there and I just asked my friend, like, well, you just want face for the ticket or what do you want? I'm like, no, 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 you can just have it because, you know, we go back a long way. I know you're a big Cubs fan. You should be here with us. Wow. So I went there. It was a pretty crazy scene. We went in, cried as soon as I walked in. And then we watched the game. The Cubs got were there destroyed. a lot of people just crying? Yeah, there was a lot of crying. Even well, before they the game started. Blocks and blocks away around the around the ballpark, you know, they had all these police barricades, and they weren't letting anyone in unless you had a ticket because, you know, the cop explained it to my friend Sturtz very well. He's like, well, look, we've never done this before. We don't know what's going on. Sorry, because he didn't have a ticket. We were trying to go to the, to the ginger man to grab a beer before the game. And it's like, sorry, buddy. But, yeah, we go in. Cubs got beat 7-2, to two, I think, in that game, and it was now the series was at 3-1. So we're all like, well, at least they made it, you know. And then uh, went out. Eric Krause, now band, was playing at Martyrs. So I went and met up with my buddy Josh Knight, and we all had a bunch of drinks. And uh, Sturtz and I almost missed our flight to Las Vegas, Oof. which is kind of the opposite of what normally happens, you know. Right, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> we almost missed our flight to Las Vegas because we were going to play the late night after fish at the Brooklyn Bowl. But we made it, and I got to sleep all day because we didn't play till like, 1 in the morning anyways. It was totally worth it. I, I, I jump off of tour a lot to go to Cubs games. Well, you did for the Blackhawks, and they were in the finals once, didn't you? I did not go. The only Stanley Cup game I went to, weirdly enough, was when the Blues were in it the other year with, with Trey Kirk because he's a big Blues fan. He convinced yeah. me to come. I'm like, well, I've never been to a Cup game. And that was the game that Chara broke his jaw. Uh, That's the game I was at, game four for that, too. That was the end of, the, of it for I us. mean, when he broke his jaw, it was a collective, ooh, yeah. at, at St. Louis. It was crazy. Did you sing that song? What was that song again? Gloria. Gloria. I didn't, but uh, Trey was very excited. You know, Guido, our tour manager, is a Boston guy, and so we sent. He asked me to send Guido a video. I mean, Trey, they scored within thirty seconds. I think the Blues, uh, the first period, and Trey was already in tears. And in three game three, we had just beaten the crap out of them. So like Bruins fans were riding high. But that was a really good series, though. Yeah. If they didn't have Bennington, they wouldn't have. I mean, the, well, he, they were really he, out physical us too. 
Game seven, if, if Bennington wasn't in the in the net for the Blues, they would have lost. It's nice I to mean, say. It's no. a tough line change. Well, did you see like how many shots the Bruins had versus the Blues in game seven? Uh, they outshot him ridiculously. I yeah. mean, he was standing on his head. And he hasn't done much since. No, he hasn't. But he played for the Kalamazoo Wings for a season, I think. Did he really? He was playing for the Chicago Wolves that year, like the first half of the year. They called him up because they're like, well, we're throwing him in the towel because the Blues were the worst team. And then they turned it around with the whole Gloria thing and won the cup. Montreal-Tampa. I say I say uh, Tampa and five. What do you say? Well, I just want the Habs to win. I mean, I wouldn't mind. That. I mean, I'm going to be rooting for the Habs, but Tampa's just too good, although Kucherov is out. Sorry, Seth, poor Seth is bored with the sports talk. But you I'm got wearing, your sports I'm, shirt. I'm wearing my <laughs> sports ball shirt. Do you ever play shows solo, like on the take cover? Have you done yeah. that live a lot? Uh, not a lot, but I, I did a solo show recently, actually, at Planet Bluegrass in Lyons, Colorado. Would you think you maybe do that I, more now? You're more comfortable doing it? I that? am more comfortable with it now, yeah. I used to hate it. I don't like playing solo as much, but I used to not like it, I should say. But I do have another band that I go out with on occasion called Unsafe at Any Speed which makes me very happy to play with those guys as well because it's a fun release because I don't bring an acoustic guitar with me. It's more of a rockin' band. It's a completely rockin' band. And you're gonna, and that's coming back post-COVID as well? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out when the dates will be. I mean, I'm, I'm doing a lot of stuff right now for that, and, but, we'll, but we'll figure but it out. But going back to... But as you plot out... Hey, so we thought the dugout would be a good idea, and now I'm realizing... <laughs> Well, I guess that means, does that mean it's the end of the interview? I feel like you're getting played off. Yeah, probably. We appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you, guys. Just tell us what's, what to look forward to. We got more Camp Green Sky. Do you have any uh, any tour plans you can tickle us with, tease just, us with? Just the surf rock coming up. Hey, you, surf can, rock tour. You guys sound fine. We can, if you can hear okay. each other, it's not too bad in the back. And the Lily. Surf Rock 45 later this year, and, you know, just excited to be playing. Surf Rock 45. Ooh. Thank All you right. so much. Yeah, guys. All Thank right. you. Set to the night, slip between my vision and my sight. It's not mine anymore. I will lease it to the sound of every quiet place I've ever So yeah, Seth, uh, Cole Caulfield, that was the name I couldn't come up with. The young member of the Montreal Canadiens who came up midseason that Dave Bruza mentioned, and uh, they, they did end up losing the finals. I think I think I nailed it. Did I say? I think I said Tampa and five. That's what happened. Is that what you said? And uh, he's a great player. And a listener- There's a lot of sports radio going on in this episode. I'm not even sure what you said. I know. We lose Seth anytime we talked about Seth. But uh, Cole Caulfield is also a listener to the show. I'm sorry, Cole. Oh, is he really? Yeah. One oh. of the many NHL players who listen to our show. Because, you know, I talk about the playoffs all the time. Of course you'd listen to this. If you like music even a little bit, very pro hockey. 
You know, um, I don't. Two revelations. First of all, they oh, yeah, uh, yeah, revelations. Yeah, Green Sky Bluegrass recorded a new record during uh, COVID. I don't know <laughs> if that had been mentioned before this. Um, and also, both guests, mm-hmm. Dave already said, and Lincoln. Uh, when I ask, will reiterate. The one positive, like the pandemic is awful, of course, but if you're a Green Sky Bluegrass fan, one positive you can take a silver lining out of the awfulness of the pandemic is that there might have been a forthcoming uh, Green Sky hiatus anyway, and that this will probably serve as it, and they're refreshed and ready to get back on the road for a long time. Now, you know, you say that, um, and I feel like you put words in people's mouths. Actually, Bruza said that. Yeah, but no, you, if I, okay, I'm going to have to re-listen because I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I've listened you, to the interview you several times to, since you conducted it and haven't listened to it. So. You, you tend Bruza to like, brought it up. you tend to say like, hey, Bruza, would you say this? And then he's like, I, I would say that, yes. Okay, but I also seize things that people say and, and blossom them for what they are, for what they, uh, how revelatory they are. Would you agree? So it could be one or the other, you'd say, right? Yes, yes, I'd say. I, I, I See, he did it to me. He just did it. He see? just made me do there it. There you go. There you go. That's podcasting, ladies and gentlemen. It's also mirroring, but anyway. <laughs> Our next guest. Ladies and gentlemen. I don't worked, know why I don't need that. Worked with you. Yeah, I know. We got to kill the ladies and gentlemen thing. I'm sick of it. He worked with you. Work exchange team at my favorite all good festival year oh, ever. Yeah, that was a fun one. 2007. And he still has his yellow shirt. Can you maybe get a picture of him wearing his yellow shirt? I'll ask. Can we point out that you can still volunteer for the work exchange team? Amy Eccles, our great friend of the show, is still taking volunteer. Well, it's actually more of a paid position. Can you explain work well, exchange? Well, I think work exchange moved into the fan staffing model. So, and I don't know what festivals are doing. I think they're doing pilgrimage is coming up. Uh, but really, the web- website. Give the yeah, website. Yeah, the website is workexchangeteam.com. But what you want to check out is festival.com because that's where the software has evolved, and now many, many, many festivals are using it. So you can go in and figure out all different festivals around the country that are using it to volunteer at uh, festival, V-O-L.com. But that's how a lot of these folks that we talked to on, on the show got into the industry is yes. through doing volunteer work, such as um, what these organizations uh, link you up with. Right, Seth? Yeah, no. Yes. It's a, and I, I like to do an episode where we really feature just clips of different folks that we have, that have come through it. Because when you go backstage at a music festival and you look at the blueprint of people there, you know, there's there's a good footprint there of past wet volunteers and interns and what have you um, that are now touring the country, doing festival work, um, leading departments. I mean, it's it's really neat. Cherub. Oh yeah, Cherub's a internationally band. known musician. There you go. There. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So we talk about the Hoffmans, of course. Paul Hoffman's a member of Green Sky Bluegrass, but when you talk about Lincoln, the Paul, the other Paul Hoffman, who's the lighting designer for Whitesburg Panic, he's a huge part of his life. We hear a bunch about that. We hear about Paul's brother Preston, how his lighting work with Mo uh, is part of Green Sky's rig this summer. There is something that's very specific, uh, specifically coming from Preston. That's actually part of Mo's mm-hmm. rig that's that was that neat. paid that off, that really paid off in the stadium. Mm-hmm. I thought, um, and you know, it's just a great story how Lincoln was a wild-eyed spreadhead, fallen widespread around, had this you know revelatory moment. When Candace Brightman was working lights for them, and uh, gradually his life changed, and next thing you know, it's a great story how he gets to know Green Sky and becomes a vital part of their team, right, Seth? Yes, it is, it, uh, and, and a story that if you're at all interested in wondering how people do this in the music industry, how they get their foot in the door, how they actually make the connections, he shares a lot of those insights, and if you apply them to yourselves, you too 
We'll be doing lights for a band. And he takes it another level, or is in the process of taking it to another level. He is arranging uh, a kind of tour package uh, business. Yeah, yeah. So the synergy on that one. So well, let's just let's let, let, let the listeners listen. So, folks, go ahead and get your fishing rods ready. Or actually, fishing rods, fishing poles, because it's time. of time to uh, we took advantage of it um we especially in the early stages we were trying to travel safe we would get tested before and get tested once we got there and then we went i went out to new hampshire for a month and uh an island off the massachusetts coast called nantucket for a month right. Right. Ah, right. nantucket i know it pretty fantastic and also, yeah. Yeah. i remember Just seeing some of, shots of you in charleston as well right yeah, we were in charleston for a little bit as well um and then i went to mexico for a full month oh nice and fished for my favorite type of fish did you catch it permit yep i caught some of the biggest fish of my life down there oh that that month i was due man i'd spent six years or something like that and thousands and thousands of dollars chasing this fish hmm. i do it after strings and so yeah i was gonna say um uh. <clears throat> and uh well let me ask you this one thing dave alluded to um when we just talked to him was that there, the band was getting near the point where they wanted some time off anyway so that maybe does that serve as a hiatus that we're not going to get? I mean, did you feel it was refreshing to get away from it for a year? Hundred percent. Hmm. Hundred percent. So we we don't have to, we won't have another green sky hiatus for another ten years, man. I don't think so. I don't think. I think we're you know guys are having kids. Um, I'm about to get married in April, so I'll be uh, you know probably not far behind. We want we want to have some kiddos, and um, I think things will slow down, but not much more than they have. I shouldn't say that in a way to to freak anyone out. I think we're gonna keep touring over a hundred dates a year Mm -hmm. um but or around a hundred dates a year which is you know a lot more than a lot of bands but uh less than you know we when i first got on the band was driving the van around the country through the night and sleeping on the floors for zero dollars a day at first it was it was 200 you know like almost or maybe that's not true i got 160 160 shows or something like that but 200 is bb king territory yeah yeah Mm. exactly but uh, just a shitload of shows um <clears throat> and it's definitely it's slowed down in a way that's nice it's just more manageable schedules in the sense that we you know we'll go out for a little bit less time come home for a solid week or 10 days go back out something like that but uh you know family time is important for these guys i think going forward so uh, yeah, but yeah. also i really truly feel that green sky is uh chugging in a way that they they're just the amount of music that got written over the hiatus and uh the amount of practice that those guys put in dave really spent a ton of time with his guitar and wrote some great stuff and was extremely creative he's got some cool stuff in the works i think a lot of people will be psyched to hear about coming up soon and enjoy as he as he feels it's time to share it with the world now you were saying though that you uh didn't really do much work but then at the same time you're one of the few lighting designers that actually got to light up a band during the pandemic yeah 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 with the uh the what were the the shows down in halloween we did uh is that what you're talking about? The no, you did the the, the non-in-person. I mean, oh no yes. crowd shows. Yes, the, yes. Uh, the um, leap year sessions. sessions. Thank you. Yep, that was a blast, and that was uh, you know we went and once again just full protocol, locked it down, went to St. Louis, um, did rehearsals, 
and did you know several and i think we were in there for a week with the lighting rig set up and yeah i really enjoyed that time just we had so much fun doing that a really high quality production value with trey kerr um at the helm doing our directing who does uh the directing for fish um he's got a lot of exciting stuff in the works right now in the production world but he's just one of the he was our ex-tour manager for a while fish guy like myself as well got pulled off a lot at one point to go work for fish now <laughs> just just to be he's clear folks we're talking about phish yes which is different than the fish that yes. he was first talking about which will end up inverting <laughs> and finishing the conversation with <laughs> definitely two of my loves you know and if you're a man that's around music it's all about the scales yeah buddy and fish so did they up yeah yeah so <laughs> he loves puns. Anytime can, can I tell you something it. about scales real quick? Sure. Yeah. I've gotten excited. I feel like this is a good time just to talk about it for the first time kind of out loud because I do think it's coming to fruition is going to happen. Um, I'm putting together a new business in which we are going to offer destination fly fishing uh, trips combined mm. with live music on the beach. Love so it. So essentially my clients will walk off the or the guides that I hire their clients. I mean, we're going to go down to, you know, destination fishing lodges. I think the first place we're going to do is at Ascension Bay Lodge. My good buddy Daniel Marquez owns it uh, down in Punta Allen, Mexico, about a, th- a two and a half hour drive, um, depending on the quality of the road, which varies uh, from season to season, down to Punta Allen, Mexico, which is about, a, you know, two and a half hours south of Puerto Morelos, which is where we play, mm-hmm. uh, play Strings and Soul. And, um, going to be putting together you know it's an extremely exclusive experience essentially you'll walk off of your you just had the best day of your life fishing and you walk off get off the beach and everyone's boats all pull up at the same time and boom there on the beach is i don't want to give any names away yet but blah 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 your favorite artists robin hitchcock sitting right there (laughs) yeah sitting right there fishing and there is a large amount of crossover uh, between the fishing world and the and and, and the fly fishing world, really, because that's what's going to be is, is saltwater fly fishing trips. Larry Kiel would like that. Larry's one that he's a good buddy of ours, and he and I talk about fishing pretty often. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, none of these names are are people that have I've even some of them I haven't even talked to. Some of them I have, but you know, in our world, Billy Strings, a mm-hmm. uh, good buddy of mine, he and I fish together. Um, I don't know if he's so busy and just killing it right yeah, now. I don't know if he I don't think we'll get <laughs> him for the first the couple experiences, but <laughs> but uh, you know Jimmy Herring, who lives yeah. actually from. So we've been, we actually been talking about doing a, a, a podcast with Jimmy. Cool and, and Larry. Larry. He lives right and Larry around here. Yes, yeah. very close to him. And, and, and we, close, he confirmed yeah. that he was going to do it. Um, and uh, you know I'm still waiting for the email to be confirmed as to when. But anyway, we keep talking <laughs> yeah. about. Doing a fishing a podcast with the two of them fishing. And We've held our episode 100 for it. Yeah, awesome. yeah. So it's it's uh, Man, so maybe we need you to get you involved. There, I would love so to be involved, and there and I could tell you a bunch of other really cool artists that are massive fishermen. Um, just a quick aside about Jimmy. Jimmy and I just like hit it off one night after I just noticed him flipping through his phone looking at fishing pictures. Uh, the same thing happened with Chris Carota and I, one of my heroes, um, huge fisherman. Uh, and that's exactly how we got, to, you know, I, I don't have anything to say to Jimmy Herring other than than just stuttering, you're my hero. Um, but, uh, but and same with Chris, but I noticed them both flipping through their phones looking at fishing pictures, and we got talking about it. Jimmy and I, Jimmy has a boat. He's sea lives somewhere right around yeah, here, right, like right you here. said, and he fishes for the stripers here in Lake Lanier. Is it Lanier? Mm-hmm. Lake Lanier. Yeah. And that's why 
we're, we're sitting here at the, the home of the Stripers, with the baseball team. Triple A affiliate of the Atlanta Braves. Yep, and it's named after the, the fish that is in Lake Lanier, I believe is what it's called. That's right. Yep. Lake Lanier uh, is just on the other side, 85 from here. And, 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 and Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy fishes for him. He's got a boat in his garage, and a couple times they'll text me. He's such a sweet guy, but he, he you know, if, if he texts me back, it was like, oh, man. That's Jimmy. Just haven't got, I haven't gotten the boat down yet, man, but, uh, you know, try next time. Keep trying. <laughs> uh, we, we've never fished together and we haven't even talked since two years ago when, when that happened but uh, man there's a ton of people G-Love yeah. um, who else Chris Pandolfi from the String Dusters is a massive fisherman Larry we already mentioned these are just people kind of in my world yeah. well so uh, it's it funny you mentioned that though the, the idea you're talking about and, and I'll share another idea off the uh, podcast here uh, but I will tell you though that when you do launch this, we will talk, and I will be auctioning those off for charities yes. and, and making some experiences it's, happen there. Some of my next calls are to you and the, the Cloud9 people, Mark, and, and I want to talk to those guys because we're not going to be um, – we wouldn't be in competition in any way. It's, oh, it's, really, totally it's really selling yeah, exclusive destination five fishing experiences, and we're going to require that people are fishermen, not just music heads. They have oh, to yeah. come and pay for the boats and go out, and you're required, and that could be one of the coolest things is that I'll get to offer our artists who are maybe non-fishermen the opportunity to sit at a private fishing lodge for the day while the clients are out on the water from eight mm-hmm. to four. Um, so, you know, or if they want to fish, let's go, you know? Um, so I think it's a really great idea. I'm really excited about it. I've got, a, I've got a, a friend that I'm working on with, uh, we're working on with, he's doing a fantastic job and we're going to, we're getting it together soon. And I'm hoping that our, our you know, we'll be able to announce a, an experience. And imagine the, the size year. is scalable. It is. We're going to start with 12 people because that's a fishing lodge. Oh, nice, dude. Nice. And the reason... I don't encourage them. them. Well, no. We, so I want to encourage them because we're still looking for our name. We're, we were thinking oh. originally Tales and Tunes. Tunes and Tales. Scalable tales. Adventures. That's so much like Tunes and Tots. Tunes and Scales. So, like, scalable. So, so here's where we, I'm looking at scaled up experiences. Ah. Now, here's why. is 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 We, we want to offer like a, a high-end experience. And I want this to be able to also apply to hella skiing in the future. Ah, my two pa- some of my two passions, skiing and fishing, and be able to, to offer these incredible destination experiences with musicians, you know, there. Um, and, yeah, it, it is scalable in the sense that we're going to start with 12 people, but there's a lodge right up the road in Mexico that, uh, that holds 24 people, so we can maybe go to 36 next year. Um, we'll see how it works out. But it will. We're, it's I love it's it. definitely the, fir- the only way to really figure out how it's going to work out is just to do one. Uh, mm-hmm. and figure out what what at what level of production value we can offer down there, what level of insulation for artists, and what level of uh, of uh, you know accommodations we can offer for patrons. I've been fishing this river four days and three nights. No coffee with breakfast, and I don't feel alright. All this time on my hands and all of my arms There's so many we've heard that there's none left to harm Take me back up the river to my home I've heard nothing here worth me to say And I'm tired of
Green Sky Bluegrass, for anyone who doesn't know, doesn't have a drummer. Oh, yeah. And a lot of lighting designers work off the drummer. Yes. Is it a challenge to not have that kind of uh, pocket to, 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 you know, as your anchor in what you're doing? That is a really fantastic question on multiple layers for me specifically. He won't hear this. So yeah, <laughs> nobody, nobody listens to this. Ever. Well, no, but he won't hear this in the time. Either even if he does listen to it, Paul Hoffman, not our Paul Hoffman, but the widespread uh, yeah, panics yeah, lighting yeah. designer Paul a, Hoffman, and a very very kind person. He is he is my brother and my father and my uh, my mentor all wrapped into one. He's uh, he's one of my closest friends in the industry and uh, has been a has helped me in so many ways. I can't even thank him. I'm getting chills thinking about it. I can't. I have no way of thanking him ever adequately, but uh, he um, is a drummer and he lights so differently than I do in the sense that he is looking, he is following Todd Nance or, uh, sorry, it's no longer Todd, it's Dwayne Trucks. Dwayne, also a total sweetheart and the man. Um, But uh, he he really follows the drums. And I wouldn't, he actually let me light panic. I filled in for him. Uh, he was going to his brother's wedding, Preston Hoffman, also his partner and also someone who's helped me immensely. Moe's lighting designer, Grace Potter, et cetera. I'm actually out here with a piece of structure, an arch, my newest lighting design that is, uh, uh, I shouldn't really say my newest lighting design. All I did was put fixtures on it. It's really something that Preston built. Interesting. I was uh, going to ask you about for that. For Mo. So, yeah. Uh, he built it for Mo, and I, I have half of it out. There was uh, another Archie piece hmm. um, that was higher, but uh, this this arch just works fantastically for our band. It really does. But getting back to the um, to to what we're saying is that he, yeah, I don't find an issue with it, and in fact, I really like it. I like, I, lo- I love drums. I love rock and roll bands. I, I like the fact that I can kind of. Uh, just breathe behind the band a lot there's a lot of slow sec sections with like an occasional hit here and there so you can just build slow elegant stuff uh chris Carrot always talked about elegance and build slow stuff and then wait for that hit and really like save a layer like an extra you know line of lights or something keep it dark until it's ready for that one big hit in the song and so i just kind of breathe a little bit more and i don't have the drum like when you watch paul's light show he often has some type of a what we call blinders, but your crowd lights essentially. Um, and they're making them in all types of different shapes and sizes these days. But, but that he'll hit with the drum beats. Like you'll, you'll watch going out West or bust it big. And like, it's, it's this, he's just on a different beat than I am. And it looks fantastic. It's excellent, but it's just different than what I do. I, I, I like, I wouldn't make those hits there. Um, so when did you fill in for widespread and what kind of feedback did you get from doing it? I got good feedback as far as running. I was running Paul's show. I think I did a good job with that. I asked him recently, what did the rest, how did the rest of it go? And he was like, eh. <laughs> and because I was so green. I was a year into doing lights, only a couple years into being on the road, living in a van, driving guys around. We just operate in such a different way than such a professional tour as widespread panic does. And like, I, just think i asked like i did a silly thing like i asked for a runner late night or something <laughs> like that that like just rubbed a couple people that were like who is this kid and if i went out and did it again and and i hope he doesn't get angry for revealing that but we had a good laugh about it the other night uh and i was a little embarrassed but um but i think that overall the feedback was good in the sense that i i did a good job running the shows i know i did i had i had fun i was running paul's show file 
um, which is actually something I base a lot of my show file off of now. The way that he lays out his board is extremely similar, or I should say the way I lay out my board is extremely similar to the way he does. Um, and I learned a ton. I had a blast, maybe a little too much fun. It's one of my favorite bands, but I, in this moment, if I were to go back out and do it, something like that again, I would certainly step into the position in a much more professional way. So how have things changed and how have things stayed the same coming back? Like, are they surprising you a little bit more with the improv with these first shows back? Or do you feel like it's like, like getting back on a bicycle, it's pretty similar? Or? Yeah, it feels good, man. Feels feels like getting back on a bike. Do you have favorite songs to light? Yeah. Yeah, really like uh, Run, Die. It's a newer one. Really good lighting hits there. Um, it mostly comes down to the lighting hits, but I love some of the Dave slow, like some of the slower Dave songs. I mean, Kerosene and some of that is like really fun as well. Uh, Leap Year is fantastic. Deep psychedelic sections where I can really explore um, with the band and and kind of try and lock in with them. And totally took that stuff from Kuroda and Saxton. Uh, mm -hmm. I think Saxon's one of the greatest LDs of all time. Big Fisherman. We started fishing together. Nice. Uh, yeah, we just discovered that about each other and like have gone fishing a couple weekends in a row. Actually, we had a blast. Great dude. I consider one of the best designers and operators and programmers all put into one uh, ever. So, so walk us through this though. You get new. The band gets new material. How do you get exposed to this new material to be able to light it up? Good question. Um, <laughs> I, they just, they have been working on um, some new stuff and they've recorded some new stuff and I haven't even listened to all of it. They're going to kill me if they hear that. But uh, they, they'll send it to me slowly from the studio and be like, you know, Anders will text me, buddy, check this out. You're going to love it. Or, um, you know, that's usually how it happens is slowly I'll get exposed to it. And then eventually once like an album is, I mean, also I'll, I mean, I've watched these guys write s countless amount of songs. Um, it used to be more writing on the road. I think more of it happens at home individually, and then they bring their songs to the band. But I remember watching Paul write Leap Year, and God, I think I watched, watched him write Jaywalking, and you know, I've got memories of him sitting outside the Sierra Nevada Brewing Company with a little parlor guitar writing music. So I'll get exposed to it that way. Go ahead, Seth. Take us in the Wayback Machine. <laughs> Where, where is the genesis? Where are the first kernels of you getting interested in lighting design the very first time? Can we talk about drugs? <laughs> sure, of course. It's a podcast, <laughs> go, man. Go, go, go. Right. Just because we're frascos. Uh, we're, 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 we're not frascos. So we're not doing drugs with you right <laughs> During, now. But right, right. I yeah, saw, exactly. saw a thing with him, Vincent. God, that guy's a riot. Um, Love him. What a, a great dude, too. Um, the uh, I saw it was seeing fish and seeing panic in 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11. Um, definitely one of my most memorable experiences, which I thought for years was Paul Hoffman, <laughs> Panic's LD, do it creating the moment. But actually, it was Candace Brightman lighting widespread panic. Candace Brightman, for those yeah. who don't know, is the heralded and legendary LD um, she, from The Grateful Dead. And I she, grew up watching her shows. Exactly. And like I'm getting chills thinking about it because I get chills a lot when we talk about shit like this. You might just be <laughs> cold. She, yeah, she, say, no, it's a little chilly. Not cold. <laughs> not cold. Uh, the drugs are kicking in. Um, but no, the, uh, she, she's just um, 
she, you know, she's, I never saw her shows live except for I did. I didn't know she was doing Panic for a short stint. She I don't was. know how long I remember long when exactly. she was doing that, but I forget when it was. And Paul was her programmer or her lighting lead. I'm not exactly sure what his, I think, what his position was, but they, but he was with her at the console and she brought this rain of all things because as a, as a, Lighting designer, I like to stick away from rainbow except for like a couple times a night just because there's just too many colors. Everybody loves it. I prefer to have like solid, uh, just a few colors at one time um, for most of my looks. But anyway, she brought a rainbow fan down on JB and I had had, I had a head full of some fantastic LSD and I got just absolutely ripped uh, you know, to a whole nother way of thinking and, and looking at concerts. And I'll never forget this lady right in front of me turned around with her eyes wide and she goes, did you just see that? And I was like, I did just see that. And I think it changed my life. And so I went and saw a bunch of panic and that was the first time that I really, really noticed lights. Then got more into fish, did all 2009 fish, bunch of 2010. And at some point in there, I'll never forget um, I mean, I consider a good a, a good dose of uh, of L and fish to be like church, man. I mean, it is uh, you know uh, I'm pretty comfortable speaking openly about that in the sense that it's changed my life. Uh, I think that uh, you know um, it, it's it was so cool to watch Kuroda. Like I was convinced he was lifting spaceships. So how does <laughs> how does it go from wow, this is awesome to okay. I'm so doing this? Then in uh, two th- I fell in love with Green Sky. Sure. Um, I could see 2009, that. 2009, or t- I was out living out in Gunnison, Colorado, Crested Butte area, and skiing a bunch and listening to some bluegrass for the first time ever, really, um, other than some Jerry stuff I'd listened to in the past. And um, fell in love with Green Sky. Saw them, um, was blown away, and um, met, then went on jam cruise. I was already like three years into my jam cruises. I had done three of them, I think. I can't remember, I guess it was 2010. So I was on my third and met the guy and the, they were like the icing on the cake. They got, they got added late, I think. And that was like, all right, I'm going. So I went, um, immediately met Amy Hoffman, Paul's ex, uh, in the crowd. And I was singing all the words and she was like, yeah, kid. And I was like, this is the band I'm here for. And she was like, that's my husband. I was like, cool. (laughs) And we immediately hit it off. Uh, and talk that night, didn't really hang. Then I burnt Leanne Duvall with a cigarette on the on the jam cruise deck. And she spun around and goes, honey, this guy just burned me with a cigarette. And I think he's hitting on me. And Duvall turns around and I meet Duvall. And then I meet Anders and Dave and Paul all within the same day, I believe. And we became fast friends on jam cruise. Go ahead, So Rob. kids listening in. If you want to make in the industry, start burning people with your cigarette. <laughs> specifically, yeah, that's you, specifically the players' wives. How to win, make friends and influence people. Burn yeah. them with cigarettes. Um, on a cruise ship. On a cruise, on a cruise ship. ship. Where you're not supposed to be Where smoking. you're not supposed <laughs> to be smoking on the deck. Like 100% there are smoking areas, and I was definitely just spinning around the hot tub with a cigarette. Don't smoke, kids. Um, cigarettes. Yeah, cigarettes. And uh, <clears throat> so, um, yeah, we beca- became fast friends. By the end of the day, they were saying, or by the end of the week, they were saying, what are you, you know, honors and I leaning over, uh, watching the sunrise on Jam Cruise on day four or whatever, and, and he says, what are you doing coming up? We like, kind of need someone just to come out on the road and like do a bunch of stuff, whether that's merch or help us move stuff around, wrap cables, whatever. Drive. It ended up being like, you're going to drive the van a lot 
and suffer and sleep on hotel room floors. <laughs> but it was fine. I paid. You'd be sleeping now. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, well, probably not. I'd probably be like setting up the merch still. And it was, there was definitely some long hours, but I loved it, man. I loved it. I, you know, they were probably at that point, they were 10 years in and sick of being in a van and I just absolutely loved it. Um, and jumped on the road with them, did everything and anything. And, uh, you know, we slowly increased my day rate over time when I kind of made myself somewhat indispensable. I think the guys have said that over a, a couple of times, which has meant a lot to me. They were like, you told us you were going to make yourself indispensable and you did. And you that's, go. that's cool. And, I think that's all it takes for anyone that wants to get out on the van is, well, some luck. Yeah, how, but how some, do you go? Some luck. And, and, then, and then, you know, I mean, if you, the, the best way to get into this stuff would be to really, I think I tell buddies, like, you go work at a venue. You'll meet bands. I got lucky in the sense that I just met them through a, an exclusive live music experience. Jam Cruise has created those um, in Cloud9. I owe a lot to those guys, and I think a lot of people do. Um, has created a lot of incredible experiences in that way, getting to meet artists, getting to, uh, it's changed a lot of people's lives. I've met other people that have gotten jobs on Jam Cruise. But, but here, I mean, and, and what you're saying is absolutely valid. Like, that's how you do it. You get, you put yourself in the, uh, in the way of opportunity. Mm -hmm. But you weren't a light guy. I mean, you were doing merch, you're doing all this stuff. How do you move from being the schlepper to the lighter? I'll tell you that. You just reminded me of one thing I just want to say really quick. I also volunteered for Seth and Wet at 2007 All Good. And that was one of the first moments I knew I wanted to be in the music industry because I watched Tim Walther get grumpy in the crowd. I've told him this story. I love it. He was getting, there was a meeting supposed to happen. No one was there. There were no tables set up. And uh, Tim Walther goes over and grabs a table and he looks at me and he goes, you know, can you give me a hand on this kid? And I was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, sir. And there, someone's like, that's Tim Walther. He runs this shit. This shit. And I'm like, he's like, you know, kid, sometimes oh, you want to get at the hotel. You want to get, nah, this was, uh -huh. a, this is on site. Okay. He goes, you want to get something done? You just got to do it yourself. Am I right? And I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> and I was volunteering for wet in the kitchen with Seth, the yellow shirts. And uh, I think I still have my yellow shirt. Um, but, uh, Right? Wasn't I volunteering for you? Yeah, yeah. You, you, you were a volunteer for the work exchange team. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. It was really fun. But to answer your question. But, but uh, you, wait, well, at that one, though, you were, you were doing the kitchen. I thought you were doing merch for some reason. No, I was in the kitchen. Okay. With, what's his name? Uh, the, the Carrie. Carrie. Yeah. Speaking Carrie. of Larry Keel, that's when Larry and Jenny Keel and Keller played with Bob Weir. Yes. Dupree's and Loser. I, I do think it. that's true. I do think that's true. I remember so that. Also, Mike Gordon sat in with uh, The Bridge. The Bridge. So you were one Chris to, Jacobs. to get yep. the. Good friend of mine playing my wedding. Ah, nice, good. Yeah, I like Chris. Played my brother's wedding, and I just just finished up with him. I can say it now officially. He's playing my wedding. I nice. cannot wait. So you you, you took go advantage buddy. of opportunities and and put yourself in in the right places. Always knew trying that to do you that. You wanted to be involved in the music yeah. industry. Clearly seeing that, clearly realizing that creating value, no matter yep. what it is, like hey, you know what? Just just have me there, and I will figure in like in the way that like. You know, someone goes to the cooler and they and they and they're like they pull a drink on. They don't even notice that the cooler's been there for all weekend, and there's always got ice in it. Someone's doing that. And then as soon as you're off your shift, you know, like it's not happening anymore. It's like, why is there no ice in the cooler? Like they don't put those two together. You did that, but how do you go from filling a cooler to being the lighting guy? Um, just like you said, putting my yeah, putting yourself in the, exactly. You sorry, I'll answer the question more directly. Um, I knew we needed a light show i and you appreciated have no, you had no background in lighting right no okay. i just watched lights i had favorites i noticed i really appreciated the energy that it brings and i loved it i love psychedelia and when green sky started to get psychedelic and i could feel the power and f feel the hits and we just didn't really have full-time light guy we had a 
a good friend of mine, buddy was out on the road with us. Um, he, and this is funny, this is similar to, uh, other like guy stories. I was doing merch and, um, having a blast doing it, but knew that I didn't want it to be my end game. Um, I think I thought like I could tour manage at one time or do something else. And I didn't, I would be a horrible tour manager. I'm too scatterbrained for that. Um, could de- definitely could never like tell also couldn't like tell my older brothers what to do if like say say it, it, it maybe there had been the opportunity to you ain't no guido yeah exactly dude i am just don't really have it in me um and i and i accept that and i'm happy and i'm happy about it uh because it led me to this and i realized i wanted some type of a space within our our uh our gang and uh but didn't really want to be merch and our light guy got it's the curse of the green sky light guys we've both gone down with bad back problems over the years i'm um, better now but i actually had to leave tour once buddy went down with back problems was laid up in the bus and i was running the merch and had a light he set me up with a light controller right there and i was just pressing buttons and uh when i came off when the boys came off the stage they were like dude you know every single hit and i was like yeah of course it's like my favorite band <laughs> you know at the time i was like yeah i know every like, of course I yeah know. i know the shit inside and out right. and that was the progression of um then i went and went back i was working at higher ground so talking about yourself putting yourself in the right position when i was in college at uvm i um i know it's getting confusing because i lived in gunnison and in, in vermont and then back to Gunnison area, Crested Butte, but um, if I may say, Higher Ground is a is a club of about fifteen hundred, but it has the full working rig, right? Yep. Really nice light rig there, right? Yeah, not like nothing crazy, but but it has bunch of pa- and it, it, actually they've upgraded recently. Um, it's not a very tall room, uh, so there wasn't like a ton of opportunity to do crazy stuff. But there were some people there that changed my life. Chris Friday, oh yeah, um, I was, you know, it's funny. I was going to ask you about Chris Friday. Yep, absolutely love Chris. Um, and uh wishing him and his family the best right now thinking about those guys all the time they've got some some tough stuff going on um but uh absolutely love him um and liggy jason liggett uh who was um he's done mike gordon he's currently doing j-rad he also works on god i want to get this right i think it's the tonight show he lives in jersey um or he was and doing the tonight show um he might be back in vermont now either way uh, he was the first one. He changed my life as well. He's like, all right, you got to get this, this, and this. I had a little bit of money saved up um, and just enough to buy a little bit of lighting gear. And he was like, you should get Grand MA. Don't do anybody else. And I'm so thankful that he told me that uh, because it's my weapon of choice for mm-hmm. sure. It's, I think it's like the Merce- I mean, it's a German-built lighting console. Was it long for you? Did it take long to get comfortable and learn your way around it? Because it's like I it's figured computer, it out you know, pretty cool. Quickly. I'm not trying to sound like cocky in that way or anything. It's just, I was just good at computers because like, I just spent a lot of time on them as it being in my generation and um, kind of just figured out the keystrokes and Liggy showed me how to store presets and run a show right. And he showed me how he thought that I should organize some things. And then I just asked a lot of questions and I immediately shook a lot of hands and made a lot of uh, friends that I was able to call. And like right, everything, right. I will say this, I think it's one of the most important things. Everything I do is taken directly from something else that someone else did. 100% people are like oh you've got your own look and your thing it's like yeah I took that from him that from him and that from him there's what from yeah, her or her Rob on that note that that is like that is it's a, it's an interesting discovery to, to get past your ego on that mm-hmm. and to be able to recognize that because mm-hmm. a lot of people have issues and say well that's stealing and it's like actually no nope. that's folk process Pete Tigger yeah but that that is 
that's how you create your own voice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Musicians, music, anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see that in, in so many different industries. And it takes, once you get, you know, once you, once you sit down and say, hey, how'd that person do that? What do I like of it and how can I do it better? Mm-hmm. You must learn the box before you take it outside the box in your own way. I'll answer your question about Jefferson because he's influenced me a ton as well and has been really good to me. Jefferson Moffins. Um, yep, Jefferson Moffins. Moffins McGee. Yep. In the uh, past. The, you know, he, he's, he's now working for, I think, CID, right? The uh, company that or, bought them out. It's a huge company. He does, all, he does yeah. stuff for the NFL and stuff. He just makes all yeah, these he's, videos. He's doing it. It's cool. He's at home. It seems like a lot of the guys that were on, like Saxon's at home. Uh, Saxon Waller was the longtime uh, LD for STS9. Um, but I'll, but just to, I'll just kind of finish the progression yeah. story. Essentially I bought some gear and I said, I want to do this and not everyone has the opportunity to do that, but everyone has the opportunity to try and get a job and put themselves in front of something. You can get a job in a warehouse, uh, prepping lights, like somewhere like pulse lighting or bandit lights or a million other companies. Um, or you can, you know, I saved up a little bit of money and had a few thousand dollars to buy a console and then eventually uh, after I rented that for a bit, bought some 101s, which are a, a, an LED moving head fixture, a light, and bought eight of those and started running with that. And just learned and learned and constantly asking questions. But I honestly didn't do a lot of work at home. Did it all on the road. We were because we were. That's another thing is that talk about other LDs working at home. I'm just on the road so much that really that's where I'm doing my work. And then uh, it just progressed and progressed and progressed. And eventually, uh, you know, it was like, okay, you're you're our light guy, 100 percent. Um, nice. The trial long didn't last too long. It was, it was, it felt right. I love, I love, I love the music, man. Love this band so much. But, but uh, yeah, the way that you're, t- we were talking about different LDs affecting different parts. I took, man, took color wipes from Kuroda. Took the whole idea from Kuroda of doing psychedelic big stuff and creating real lighting energy. And what he talks about is elegance, 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 elegance. And elegance. I think it's so important. Hitting it at the right time. Don't hit it. Just don't hit the button if it doesn't feel right. Wait until you've got that moment. It's so much more effective if you save it. Then, you know, and he also did a lot of slow movement stuff, which I'm really attracted to. Now, I think Jefferson Waffle further perfected the slow movement thing. Um, and he will get, tell you 100% that he is extremely influenced by Kuroda. Um, he's, he's never been shy kid. about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think none of us are. A lot of us if are you're in the fans. G- If you're doing lights in the jam, in the jam band world, band, I mean, you, you probably saw that's Kuroda. That's like, yeah, yeah, it's just like being a guitar player 100%. and not liking Jerry Garcia. I mean, come on. But I have my favorite designers, my favorite operators. And um, Kuroda was one of those people that falls into both those categories. Um, and... Um, a lot of these guys do, but like, for example, Jefferson Waffle is one of my favorite operators of all time. The way that he would take the lights all the way out wide and then bring them all the way in. And you could literally just do that all night and just create this beautiful symmetry as long as you were really meticulous with how you set up your looks, the wide look and the in look. And he and then his color palettes, just the way that he mixed colors was is was like untouchable in a lot of ways. Uh, really sick. Um, I think that Saxton is... Uh, Saxon Waller is one of the greatest uh, operators and designers of all time and just such a talented programmer. That's what really is impressive is he literally basically rewrote with uh, a guy named Rupel, another incredible tech and LD from Browner Productions, um, rewrote a fixture. I mean, they rewrote the BI basically. They, they were calling with the company saying, hey, we need to do this, this, and this, and we can't. How do we do this? They were just so in it and created unbelievable stuff that people will never forget about Soundtribe's Light Show. I mean, that shit was the bomb. And Umfree's Light Show, 
just operational operationally was just so impressive now my uh and all these guys have been so cool to me that's the coolest part is we're all like a lighting family like i mm-hmm. in the way that you know you talk about kids growing up and now they're playing with chara on the ice and it's like man i grew up watching chara like they're my heroes you know uh are you playing with your heroes like i i, I don't get to i haven't worked with chris or Saxon or Giff really well. Saxon and I have done a little work together just like in, in a room programming where he's just helped me a ton. But um, um, I've, I, I haven't really worked with him that much, but I, we're still like all just buddies. It's so cool. And like, those are my heroes, you know? Uh, it's really friggin' rad. Uh, but finally, I want to say that like there's other people like designers yeah, that are my like, favorite uh, what about ever. Squints, you ever do anything? So with I, n- I don't know Squints really? well, but okay. I respect the hell out of him. And he had a really fast. That's Michael Smalley. He uh, he had a really fast ascension through the ranks, and he's doing stuff like Pitbull and I think like Share. I could be wrong there, but big stuff now. Um, I remember we're getting we're getting sound check started, but I do want to say something really quickly about the design thing. My favorite designers are different than my favorite operators, like Paul Hoffman and his brother Preston and Mikey Cummings at Pulse Lighting are some of my favorite designers ever, along with some big names like Leroy Bennett, um, Eric Birdie uh, over in, in uh, uh, he's over, at, over, over the pond in Europe. Um, anyway, um, so, many, so many people have influenced what I do. And that I, now you're influencing others. Exactly. That's cool. That means so much to me. I am honored by that. Um, and I, I truly, it's all just taking things that from other people that you love. Mark Janowitz, mm-hmm. the backlighting thing that I do with Green Sky, I didn't take. Oh, I love any, the silhouette stuff. Any other one other than Mark Janowitz. Oh, Dylan did that a lot in the 90s. I love I know, the that's silhouette. The thing, it's like every, like it's been like the book you can't really rewrite the book right you can't or you can't uh, what's the expression you can't um, whatever Rethink you can't bring a donkey Rethink to water but yeah but but you can you can take <laughs> what you see in other people's shows and apply it to your thing mm-hmm. and if you can do it elegantly and gracefully then other people well, people will notice and it's it'll create an energy there that is palpable and people like me who have their eyes open at shows and don't have their eyes closed will notice and hopefully love <laughs> mm-hmm. and then go stand behind Corota for 60 shows in a row. All my buddies are up at, you know, page side, 15, 15 rows back, and Losing I'm alone shit. in the back of the, the auditorium just like, <laughs> yes, Corota, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Yeah, the early days of Fish, when they first, not the early days, when they first got into the amphitheaters, yeah. you just get into the front three sections and then go to the back of the center section because yeah. everyone would go up front yeah. and there would be all this room and yeah. beautiful light show and all this yeah. stuff. Okay. Let's um, <laughs> say Green Sky continues to grow as I expect them to do. Yes. How do you foresee the light show growing with them? What are the changes you'd want to make oh, moving man. forward? Um, I would love to start uh, to be able to start. I have One thing that other LDs will know about me um, um, if you're listening is that is that I d- I'm all ground package stuff everything I do is built off the floor and then my biggest challenge day in and day out I've talked about this with all of those people I just mentioned because they don't deal with that shit they're hanging all their lights every day so they'll they'll st- they'll come into a venue that already has lights they'll strip them away and they'll put up their own lights and have their own design I don't do that my biggest challenge is to come in build my stuff on the floor and use the lights that are in a venue 
and adapt that to my show every day. Wow. And it is a shitload of time so that's a lot of work. and effort every right. day. Right. Even with the tricks that we have in the console, it's still a lot of work. And if I were able to come in and have a team and hang all of our own lights um, and do that, that's where I would like to see the progression yeah. go. But now it's got to be comfortable to be able to go back to these venues. Now that you, the band's got to a place where they're playing the tabernacle yeah. over and over again. Yeah. So you're kind of able to really get to know some of these rooms. 100%. Um, I'm much more comfortable than I used to be. I also don't, now I guess I want to say that it's just me like breathing more and being more relaxed about it, but it's also just experience. It's like mm-hmm. you've, now you're more comfortable doing the day in and day out tasks um, that require to, to make the show look good every night. And, um, and I'm more comfortable doing those. But yeah, that the evolution would ideally be to start hanging our own trusts and hang our own fixtures and have a tech on the road with me yes. and, and have a team built so that because just like Zax and I were talking about last week, you know, his days would start at 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. And, and they're loading out at two in the morning. So, so, so I now mean, we're, we're looking for that. Uh, we're looking for that next kid to come up with the opportunity that just wants to be the schlepper. Yes, right. Exactly. It's a good way to learn. Yep. We've had. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, well, at all those fish shows, you were wise to keep your eyes open for so long. It's not mine anymore. It's been scattered to the wind and then bleeding to the Well, Rob, that was Lincoln. What a great guy. I, I've, I've met him through, uh, I, know, I know a lot of these stupid LDs, you know? Yeah, hold on, though. So, uh, <laughs> Rob is like, Rob's waiting for Lincoln in the dugout, and every time like a tall person walks, he goes, I think he's coming. Well, that's like, my bad eyesight. We were looking way across the baseball stadium, Seth. Way across the baseball stadium, there was Cracker Jacks and peanuts and all that kind of crap. And I just we were running out of time because I had to get back, get food, walk the dog, shower, get back to see the show. Eat the so gummy. I was getting anxious. Had to eat but the gummy. Once we started, it was great. And what a what a cool guy. Yeah. You, you could see how affable he is, and he's just a cool guy to hang out with. So on top of the talent, you have that, and just bands. That's what bands want. I thought a key point he made was that when he. Got with them, they were about 10 years into their career and starting to get sick of the road, and yeah. he was a fresh energy. I think you see that a lot of times, that sometimes you crew folks don't just bring it, you work hard and bring your energy and all that, but also bring a positive attitude and yeah. a, an enjoyment of the road that will help refresh these guys who've been doing it previous to, you know, it gets old, and but it's, you know, new energy and fresh energy, a fresh outlook to it can be so valuable. Well, that's with everything. I mean, you think about, you know, nonprofit boards, the same thing. You always get that fresh energy in there and it stirs up the pot and gets things moving. It's amazing. Got to get that fresh energy. Same thing with the podcast, you know. And he mentioned Humphreys McGee's um, light show and how Jeff Waffle's been an influence on him. And at, at what better time to... To point out to our Inside Out listeners that I that uh, my friend Jimmy Jimmy Knowledge, you will get to know him as Rogers, and I uh, are it's confirmed now. We're going to be releasing uh, we're we're going to be releasing the first episodes, first season of the Humphreys McGee Wow podcast. So is it going to be like timeless music that just sits on the shelf? You get one episode out and then it collects time. I hope not. I hope not. I, I understand your your concern, your reticence. That was because the studio guy I was working with got so who's, busy because he was who's so doing good. this one for you. 
Hmm. Uh, Sarah J at Dropped Among This Crowd Media. She oh. is recording them, and then she has an engineer to put them together. All right, and this might actually happen. We've this already talked actually... to Brennan. We we did a, a uh, seventy-five minute talk with Brennan, and was we're gonna... it a lot different than our talks? Yeah, that was a source audio. So what we're going to do? We're also going to talk to fans. Oh, yes. Hmm. It's gonna and it's gonna be. It'll be. We'll be extemporaneous when we cut the episodes, but then we will have cutaway stuff of fans and band members. And we're going to start by going song by song. August Slow. and Her Birdbath will be the first two songs. I think we're going to do two episodes per song. One will be more of a surface level for the for the general public, and then for the hardcores, we're really getting the nitty gritty, best versions, all that kind of stuff. Seth's getting mauled by his dog. Enough about me. So, oh, but check out Dropped Among This Crowd. Uh, Sarah's got a lot of great stuff going on. And Umphrey's Wow Podcast. We're already on Twitter. We'll be on the social media soon. Where is this going to be uh, available? Um, Are we going to get it on everything? Or are you yeah, just going to have it on like SoundCloud? Stitcher, Apple. No, no. Sarah, oh, so you're Sarah's do- on the ball, man. Yeah. And Leia, too. I want to forget Leia. Um, there, these gals, they're, they're our leaders. I'm very excited. God to- bless. Hopefully they last. I mean, do they know you? With Sarah, yeah. All right. All right. Wow. What are you getting at? I mean, there's a reason why this podcast is so slow. And it's both of us, by the way. It's not I'm just slow. you. It's just slow. you. Well, also, I think we got discouraged that we weren't sitting down with people in the face. Oh, but nice. now we've got this interview. We've got Magner in the can. We've got a couple others we're cooking up. And we're going to go outside the box on a couple of these. I still want to do a Zoom with Grant Green and Brad Farberman uh, about Grant Green. Yeah, we can talk about that. We've got... We'll, you need we'll to update us. Stuff. We'll put some stuff out. Folks. Before we finish, you need to update us on your Rockshineer work and on ah. Coffee Connections. Well, you're, so Coffee Connections is my other podcast and we're... Um, you where I talk to nonprofits in the Atlanta area right now. Uh, it's about 30 minutes and we talk about their missions. We talk about uh, their fundraising and they get to... Uh, recommend a future guest so really talk to some great organizations uh such as atlanta community food bank the giving kitchen big brothers big sisters onward from there i mean it's loaded great people doing great things absolutely and lots of insights on on these pieces you know they're all innovators so uh i am in the process of converting all the videos onto audio and they will all be up so if you don't want to watch and look at my face or their faces. You can just listen. Quick 30 minutes. Uh, CoffeeConnections.live. Uh, everything is there. And Rob, I got to tell you, yes. pand- as we're coming out of the pandemic, yes, my calendar is loaded. It's being booked solid with yes. uh, nonprofit fundraisers. It's uh, very hard to get time with you. That's why it's <laughs> tough to get episodes out. But go uh, ahead. But it's coming in a in a wave that yes, I can good. handle. It's a good thing. I'm not. It's a very no, good no, thing. no. But I'm just. I'm very grateful for the flow. It's like I'm not overwhelmed too much with too many contracts. I can. Um, they're coming in at a rate where I can onboard them and handle them appropriately, and I'm. And it's been driving me to step up my game on everything I'm doing. All of the um, all the consulting that I do, fundraising-wise, I've got a lot of knowledge now because I've been doing a lot of. I've been working with a lot of other auctioneers and studying and you know looking at best practices for uh, you know auctioneering and fundraising in general, not just auctioneering. Sets on a roll, people. So it's it's forced me to get organized and start putting things together. So I'm really really proud of the output that I've got and. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited to raise money for because this, you know, look, it's a job, sure, but Rob, it's the end user that it's about. You got it. So, folks, thank you so much for listening. Uh, it's great to be back, uh, getting in the swing of things. We got Aaron Magner in swing the swing of things. Is that because we're talking about baseball stadiums? Whoa, but I do want to um, get back to Green Sky Bluegrass. You want to check them out? <laughs> Check out their website, greenskybluegrass.com. Check out the tour dates and go see them when they're in your town. And I want to tell you, Michael, Michael Arlen Bolt. Bolt. You're next, buddy. 
Now, remember Bruza said that about that palindrome that we got yeah. in Lawrenceville? Uh-huh. Here it is.
there's a whole lot of air out there to breathe Might choke yourself on your knees Try to be free What you need Oh, what you need
jamming your rap attack There's a whole lot of air out there to breathe March of those now on your knees Trying to be free What you need 